Welcome to Eastridge Today with Steve Jameson, lead pastor of Eastridge Church in Issaquah and West Seattle. We invite you to worship with us at EastridgetodayRadio.com or in person every weekend. Today, we hear a powerful message. Now, here's Pastor Steve Jameson. Well, today, we're going to open up this brand new series, and we're going to find joy in this incredible journey that we're on. I'd love for you to take your Bibles and just open them. We're going to go to the book of Philippians. Philippians is a very interesting book. It's one of the four prison epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote, obviously, while he was in prison. I think what's even more significant and interesting to me about the book of Philippians is that it is the most personal writing where Paul expresses his heart. Remember all the letters that we call books of the Bible that Paul wrote, um, like Galatians and, and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and First and Second Corinthians and Thessalonians. I mean, you just go down all of the writings that the Lord used the Apostle Paul to write. What they are, we call them books of the Bible, but they were letters to churches and they were letters that were meant to circulate. And they're still circulating 2,000 years later right here to you and me as the church. But out of all of those writings... The one that we're going to take time to study right now, the book of Philippians, is the most personal writing of all of Paul's messages. He was writing to a people in the in the town of Philippi, which was a, a, a Roman colony in the land of Greece, actually. It was a, a, a place where there was a lot of retired Roman soldiers. So the Roman emperor loved Philippi because it was a hub that just with its influence helped keep things under control, kept, kept uh, society civil, and it was a place of a lot of peace in the midst of those things. At the same time, all kinds of immorality, false worship, I mean, if you were to look at Philippi in the first century and compare it to the Seattle region in 2022, you probably would think there's not that much difference because, you know, we're in a place where spirituality, true spirituality is diminished and about every level of of thought and and spirituality that could be received from darkness to whatever is is paraded in the midst. And that's exactly the way it was in in the area of Philippi. So let's dive in, okay? This book was written in 62 AD while Paul was under house arrest in Rome. We're going to go back and even talk about some of the background. Because here, here's the story. For many of you who are coming to faith, some of you here today are on a journey towards faith. And we talk about the Bible as something so new to you. I want you to realize that when we study particularly the New Testament, the two most important characters, number one, far and away, there's nothing really even close, obviously. Number one is Jesus, the Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, our God. That's what the message is all about, is Jesus. But the number one messenger of Jesus in the New Testament, it's important to know this, is the Apostle Paul. And to have a little bit of an understanding of his background, have a little bit of understanding how the jigsaw puzzles of the New Testament fit together, it will really bless you. It will really make a difference in your entire spiritual journey. So let's, let's get in there today. Philippians chapter 1, let's go. He says, Paul, v- verse 1, uh, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. All right, let's just stop right there. In Paul's other writings, you know what he does? He introduces himself formally. And, and he does that to give the reader the understanding of his calling and, and his authority to even speak to them or to write to them. He would say, I, Paul, the, the Apostle Paul. And he would introduce himself by his role or his title. Here, he has such a personal relationship with the church at Philippi that he knows that he doesn't even need to introduce himself. 
because they know who he is. They know the sacrifice of his life. They know that he basically gave of himself so much and they've had this relationship that has been so mutual. So look what he says. He doesn't start off with the apostle Paul. He just says, hey, it's Paul. It's Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. The overseers is an interesting term because when you look in the New Testament, there's a number of different words that basically are used interchangeably for the same thing. Overseers, elders, pastors, those are all basically used for the same role, church leadership. So it says, together with the overseers and deacons. Deacons we find introduced in Acts chapter 6. And deacons are people that come alongside of overseers and pastors. And the word deacon means to be a servant. So whether you look at it through the lens of overseers, pastors, elders, or deacons, the bottom line is these are people whose lives are given over to servant leadership, to be used by God in a spirit of humility and grace, to be able to build up the people of God and to build his church. So Paul's introducing uh, and communicating to them. Look at verse three now. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he that began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that you, your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. All right, that's Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. 11 verses, you can chew on that, pray about it, get involved in a life group. We're gonna talk about these things and we're gonna grow deeper and stronger. We're gonna find God doing amazing things in our lives. But you know, my heart, for you today, just really kind of comes right off of this page. You know, it's, it's one of the things that happens when you're bonded with people. We've been pastoring this church for 23 years now. We've, for many of you who are new, it's a brand new experience. But for others of you, we have walked through life together. We've been through the ups and the downs and the trials and the tribulation, the tight spots and the blessed spots. And we've walked this amazing journey. And so I can feel these words from the apostle Paul speaking to the church at Philippi and saying, I love you. My heart is for you. You know, we've been together and everything that's going on, you and I are bound together. Isn't that the message? And he's saying, you know, my hope for you is that you would grow deeper. You would grow stronger. Listen to what he says, that you would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That's my heart. That's my prayer. Why do we do all the things that we're launching right now in the fall? Brand new areas of children's ministry going on, our student ministries, all the way to our prime timers. Why? Because we want you to abound. We want you to thrive. We want you to have joy in the journey. We want you to know how important you are to God. And we want you to know how important you are right here that you matter, that you have talents and gifts and things that God has embedded and given in your life. And they have divine purpose. And our job is to walk together, that we might grow together and fulfill the call of God. How many know we're better together than we're ever separate? The body of Christ, we've been talking about it for weeks. 
We are one, many different parts, like the hands and the feet, the eyes and the ears. You know, we don't have, we're not all exactly the same, but we are one body as we come together. And so there's so many things that could happen. Will you pray about this? Will you take it to heart? Will you make a choice in your heart and your will? I mean, nothing happens in your career, nothing happens in your family, and nothing happens in your spiritual life until it rises up to the level where you say, I'm going to make the change. I'm going to invest. I'm going to sow. I'm going to believe. I'm going to take another step. Will you take another step? Will you grow? Will you take another step? I believe this is one of the most important things that any of us could do today. It's just say, God, I want all that you have for me. I want to grow. I want to, I want to be stretched. I want to be a part of a church that is leaning into God. How many are with me today? I want to be a part of a church that's praying and sowing and believing and, and really seeking God for greater things. Because otherwise, I'll tell you, if you're not growing, you're actually losing ground. If you're not leaning in, basically the tide of this culture and everything would be just separating you from the place that God would have for you to be. So I want to encourage you today to lean in, to believe God. So today I want to talk to you about the Apostle Paul. I want to talk today about the backdrop. In every great story, how many know there's a backstory? You know, in every great moment, there's, there's blood, sweat, and tears that are behind any great success. Isn't that right? Sometimes we see things and we look at it and we think, boy, that's an overnight success. Rarely is there ever an overnight success. There's planting, is it true? Dedication, commitment, all those things that are behind the scene. Spiritually, there's always a backstory. We look at the Apostle Paul, and as I shared with you, Christ is the center of the message. Christ is the Redeemer, the Lord. He is the one that gives us eternal life as we open our heart to him. But second to that, the Apostle Paul was used to be an instrument to to bring that message and to change lives and to build churches and to leave a legacy that we today can even learn from and follow. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. But you know something? That's not how the Apostle Paul started out. The Apostle Paul had everything that you could ever want. The Apostle Paul was raised in a family where his mother and father were, were Jews. They were a pure lineage of Jews. He was brought up in a home where his, his family had influence. So he was given the opportunity to even be educated under Gamiel, which was the highest level of education in that time. He rose up in stature. He, re- he rose up in influence above any other young leader of his age and of his time. He was what was known as the Hebrew of Hebrews, which meant while so many of the other Jewish people were learning Aramaic and it was becoming the main language, he not only knew Aramaic, but he knew knew Hebrew. He was a Hebrew among Hebrews. His family made sure that on the eighth day he was circumcised according to the Jewish law. In other words, every little benchmark that you could possibly do to be positioned for a great future and success, he had them all. His name was Saul. And in, in the, the Greek culture and in that time frame, the word Saul meant desired. And so you can just see where his parents, you know, even naming him had hope for him and a vision for him that he would be someone who would be desired and esteemed and have influence. And he began to rise up in that area. And in that time frame, as I said, he rose up quicker and faster than anybody else. And what we find in the New Testament is even though he had influence and every, even though he had a great education, a great family and all the things that would lead to success, and he was highly successful in the eyes of people, at the same time, his life was misdirected because he did not know who Christ was. 
Now, he knew about Jesus. In fact, he knew enough about Jesus that he hated Jesus. He despised Jesus. He not only despised Jesus, he despised every person who would believe on him or who would follow him. And where we're introduced to this man named Saul is that he went to the Jewish leaders, the high priests, and even asked for written authority to be able to even travel out of the region and go as far as Damascus. And any person that he would come across who was a professing believer of Jesus, he had the authority to literally take them captive and to bring them back and imprison them because of their faith. I mean, we would look at Saul today and we would see him through the lens, basically, of a, a religious zealot. We would see him through the lens of even a, a, a real terrorist. Because we also find in the scripture that there were people who lost their lives because of the influence of, of Saul. Most notably was Stephen, one of the leaders of the early church. And I don't have time to preach all of that today, but it's a historical marker that you need to be aware of. And so here is this man whose life has all of this affluence, all this power, prestige, family, education, all these things, but it's misdirected. You know, today we can sit here, those of you in West Seattle, those of you online, and you can be in the same situation. You can have all kinds of things going your way. You can have all kinds of incredible jobs and opportunities and education. But if you're missing the name of Jesus, if you have not discovered who Jesus really is, you may know the name of Jesus. You may even speak the name of Jesus with the wrong inflection in your tone. But if you haven't opened your heart to Jesus, you are missing the very reason why you were even created. We were molded and shaped out of the grace of God that we would know the Lord, not only here and now, but we would even know the Lord for eternity. And Jesus came to the earth for that very reason, to step in to our human existence, broken, sinful, separated from God, and to be the one and only bridge that through his sacrifice that he could offer us grace free because he paid for it himself. That if we would just believe John 3, 16, Jesus' own words, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. The grace of God comes free because Christ paid that price. It's an amazing spiritual reality. But what are we talking about with our discipleship path, the things that we want you to know? What are we trying to accomplish in individuals? What are we trying to make available to people through our church? Number one, discover Jesus. Do you know that Saul discovered Jesus in a unique way? Here he was on what's called the, the road to Damascus. And he's out there looking for people that he can take captive. And you know what happened? It's amazing how things can turn, isn't it? Instead of him taking people captive, Christ took him captive. Out on that road, some of you have had the same moment where God just stops you in your tracks. Sometimes it's because of hardship. Sometimes it's because of bad mistakes. There's times in our lives where we're just confronted with, with who we are and where we're, what we're thinking and the things that we're doing. In the midst of Saul, boy, it couldn't have been any more clear because the Lord just knocked him. He, he dropped down onto the ground. And the Bible says that there was a bright light that shone all around him and the audible voice of God spoke to him. What an encounter. And in the midst of that, the Bible says that Saul's eyes were blinded and the men around him heard the voice, but they couldn't see anything. And they had to pick up Saul off of the ground. And in that moment, Saul was like, Lord, Lord, who are you? And Jesus said, it's me, it's Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? Boy, how about that for God confronting your heart? I imagine that in this house, there's some that God has said the same thing to you in different ways. 
where he said to you, maybe it was a moment of your conversion. Maybe it was a moment of your journey to get you into a place where you would humble your heart before God. But maybe the Lord said to you, why are you living the way you're living? Why are you doing the things? Maybe some of you were quasi Christians and the Lord confronted you and said, man, you're living one foot in, one foot out. What in the world are you doing? What are you thinking? And God, how many of you know God has a way of getting our attention because he loves us and cares for us. And that day, his friends had to actually take him by the hand. They led him into the city of Damascus because Saul was blinded. And then the Lord spoke to a man named Ananias. And Ananias was afraid to even go near Saul. You read it in Acts chapter 9. And the Bible says that, that Saul said, Lord, I, I know this man. I know the stories of this man. And he's, he's caused a great deal of harm. And, and the Lord said to Ananias, you go. Because this man, this one that you fear, this man is my chosen instrument pretty amazing, isn't it? And so God worked in the life of Ananias to get him to even go to where Saul was. And I'll talk, you know, talk about a transformation. Some of you are on a journey right now and you are just sensing it. When you, when you're walking through your day, God is prompting your heart. He's getting your attention. He's speaking to you. And I want to just encourage you. Don't let that pass you by. Let it stop you. Let it stop you and seek to hear what God is saying. The Lord so worked in Ananias' life that when you read in Acts chapter 9 that he walked in the room and saw the man that the Lord directed him to go to, that he didn't say, oh, you persecutor of the church, you know, I don't know about you, Saul. No, he said, brother Saul. Talk about God working in somebody to prepare you to even be able to, to get engaged with somebody. How many of you know, you may be having people at work that, that rub you the wrong way. You know, there may be people that are just, okay, I don't need hands, that, you know, are just irritants, you know, and, or difficulties. Or there can be challenges in your own home and you're, you name it. And yet it, it's in these moments where God has to work in us first before he can work in anything else. And that's just a tidbit for you today about this story of God working in the heart of Ananias so that the Lord could do a greater work in Saul. And the Bible says that Ananias laid his hands on Saul and prayed over him. And basically, he said, Saul, I've come that you would, you would receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened. He laid his hands on him, and Saul was already believing in the Lord Jesus after that encounter. And here's what I want you to see. Something like scales, the Bible says, literally fell off of his eyes. And, and he was refreshed and renewed. And you know what Saul began to do? He immediately went out and he began to go into the synagogues where once he was a Jewish leader. And now he went in and he began to speak about Jesus. You got to read this when you get home. Acts chapter nine, because the people were so startled. They said, wait a minute, wait a minute. How can this be? This is the leading persecutor. This is the guy that told us Jesus is horrible. How can it be that he's walking in our synagogues and telling us we need to believe on the, it was crazy but it was a man transformed by the grace of God. So what's the most important thing in any of our lives? Discover Jesus. Because when you discover who he is, if you'll open your heart, if you'll just lean into God, he will reveal himself to you. And when you discover who Jesus is, it's the beginning of eternal life and it's the beginning of change in the here and the now. But you know, there's, there's more to it than just discovering Jesus. The second key that we're trying to teach and embed into every one of our hearts is the significance and the importance of growing in community and finding freedom in your life. You know what happens next? Saul is out there preaching. Now, some people in our culture today, Christian people will say, you know what? Um, 
I don't need to go to church to be, to be right with God. I don't need to go to church to be, to be okay. I don't need to go to church to grow. And there, there's a level of truth to that. You can love God. You can serve God without church attendance. But you cannot reach your fullest fulfillment in the kingdom if you're not a part of the body. Go back and reread 1 Corinthians 12, the eye, the hand. You, you can't get along without each other. We were designed and meant to be in relationship. So when you go through your day and you even talk to fellow believers, don't condemn anybody, but encourage people with the importance of being a part of the body of Christ, growing, stretching, and being used by God. It's so important. Here's what happens. Saul is out there preaching. But then the Lord says to him, as he was out there for about three years, and the Lord says to him, it's time to go in and meet the other apostles. Go to Jerusalem. And when you read about this, you'll find in Acts chapter 9 that the other apostles didn't want anything to do with Saul. They didn't trust him. They didn't believe in him. Just like we talked about a man named Ananias had to have God work in him in order to go to Saul after the road to Damascus. Now the Lord's working in another man. You know what his name is? His name is Barnabas. We've talked about Barnabas from time to time because it's such a great story. The apostles even changed his name to son of encouragement because everywhere he went, he had, he had a, a personality and an anointing of God upon him that just brought lift, that brought change, that was a, a place of just helping people rise up to what God desired to have in their life. What a characteristic for every one of us to say, Lord, would you use me like a Barnabas? And Barnabas, while everybody else was afraid to even go see Saul, Barnabas went to him, went out and found him. You read about it in Acts chapter 9, verses 25 through 26. And in the midst of that, he brought, he, he went and verified in his own heart and mind that Saul is a changed man because of an encounter of discovering Jesus. And so he brought him, and he was basically uh, the one that, that uh, gave him credibility, brought him in and introduced him to the rest of the disciples. And you know what happened right there? It was the beginning point of the next phase of the anointing and maturity growing in the life of Saul. Here's something that's so significant, so important. We're going to talk about it again in just a moment when we talk about find your purpose. The apostle Paul, when he was there on the road to Damascus and he was waiting before even Ananias came, the Lord spoke to him and told him that he had been called. And Paul would later talk about it in 1 Corinthians, and he would say, I was one who was like abnormally born. He was basically saying, I wasn't one of the 12 apostles. I wasn't, you know, walking with Jesus when he was on the earth ministering. Saul's encounter came after Jesus had already ascended into heaven. It was a totally different pathway. But Jesus spoke to his life, revealed his glory to him, and called him into ministry. But here's what I want you to see. Even though you may be called into ministry... You still need the influence of Christ, and you need the influence of the body of Christ. And I want you to see this because Saul would have never, I don't think we'd be reading the book of Philippians. I don't think we would be talking about him as the apostle if it hadn't been the process that Christ had ordained and planned for him to walk through in his life. Think about this. Barnabas goes and brings him, brings him into the disciples. And that is the moment he begins to mature and understands the church. How many of you know you need to be in the church if you're going to minister to the church? You've got to understand the working of the body in order to be effective in the body. And here's another great step. There was a great revival that began to stir up in Syria. And it is in a town called Antioch. 
Now, Antioch, this was just the beginning of a real move of God. I'm just believing for a move of God right here in one of the least likely places in the Northwest that God would do something great right here. And in the midst of that, that's what Syria would have been. That's what Antioch would have been in, in that moment. And nobody would have said, wow, I bet there's a great revival going to break out in Antioch. I mean, that would not have been on the horizon. But you know what happened? When, when the disciples saw that there was this great move of God happening, you know who they felt like they needed to send to Antioch? They said, you know who we, we need to send to Antioch? We need to send Barnabas. We need to send the son of encouragement because he has the power to, to bring people together. He has the power of positive to lift people in faith and in unity. We need to send Barnabas. So Barnabas made the journey and went all the way up into uh, northern Syria and went to, uh, to the city of Antioch. And he encouraged. The first thing the Bible says, you read about it in Acts chapter 11. First thing that he does, it says he encouraged the people that were there. Well, that was kind of why he was sent. He went on a mission to encourage and to strengthen. Can I look at you? I'm calling you to a, a mission of encouraging and strengthening not only your personal walk with God, but to get engaged and to be a part of strengthening God's church for such a day and such a time as this. And in the midst of that, think about this. When, when Barnabas went there and encouraged the people and he sees what's happening, the Lord speaks to him. And what does God speak to him? You know who you need here? You need Saul. Saul would be the right person to help minister here. Well, Saul had already gone home. Wait a minute. He was spoken to on the road to Damascus. The Lord touched his life, called him to be an apostle. He went out and preached. He was brought back and met the disciples. What do you mean? He went back home. He went to Turkey. He went to Tarsus where he was born and raised. And here Antioch is about 150 miles away. And remember this, no cell phone, no text, no social media, no phone call, none of that. So when God is stirring Barnabas and says, you need to get Saul, he doesn't necessarily even know where Saul is, but the spirit prompts him to make the journey. And he walks a hundred. How many of you know you're committed when you walk 150 miles to find somebody? You read it. The Bible says he went into Tarsus and he began to look for Saul and he found him. And he said, Saul, you need to come with me. There's a work for you to do. You know what happens when you get in community? You know, the Bible talks about one man will sharpen another like iron sharpens iron. You know, when we talk about growing a community. Yes, we have life groups, but you know what else we have? We have Bible studies. We talk about growing in community and finding freedom. We have celebrate recovery. We have waves of ministry. Why? So that wherever you are in your life, whatever kind of barrier or wall that the enemy tries to put up from you, that you won't really discover Jesus, that you won't really discover real relationship, we're here to break those walls down. But it takes dedicated people. How many know that? It takes people with some vision and some passion. It takes some people to say, you know what? I'm going to stand and be used by God in this very moment. And Saul was brought by Barnabas back to Antioch. And you know what was happening there? Barnabas was mentoring Saul. They taught, they team taught for a year. They, they basically were co-pastoring in Antioch. And Barnabas was pouring into Saul. Isn't that amazing? He's pouring into Saul, giving him opportunity. Saul was growing in his ability to lead. He was growing in his ability to speak. You know what happens next? What's number one? Come on, fill in the blank. What's number one? I got to hear you. Discover Jesus. What's number two? Grow in community, find freedom. 
What's number three? Find your purpose. That's about all the time we have for today. But if you want to listen to the whole thing, you can visit us at EastridgeTodayRadio.com and tune in next week for another installment of Eastridge Today.